Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting exit plan with no spaces to 44222. That's exit plan to 44222. Again, text exit plan to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. All right. Thank you for joining us today. You know, we uh, interview uh, a lot of different uh, walks of life when it comes to the advisors that join us on here on Exit Coach Radio. And we also, you know, can bring you authors, um, uh, others that have interesting stories about businesses. Just today we've had quite a few uh, different guests. And my next guest is joining us, uh, Nina Stillman from the Stillman Law Group, and they're located in Chicago. Now, you have a business, but you also have uh, an estate. Your business is part of your estate, and we're going to talk about estate planning for business owners, where Nina helps business owners keep the promises they make about taking care of their families using estate planning and business law. Nina, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me, and you stated the number one thing that I run into with clients that they often don't understand that their business is part of their estate. Yes, uh, it's it's like they. A lot of times, you you ask somebody for a balance sheet, and um, they don't include the business on there. They don't think of it as a valuable asset, uh, and especially if it's a family business, it's really the golden goose <laughs> of their of their exactly. balance sheet. Um, exactly. So, so they'll they think about, think well, I need a will or a trust if I die, but they don't think about, well, what happens to my business? So let's talk about that. But first, let's, uh, if you will, tell us a little bit about you and your background and how you came to start the uh, Stillman Law Group. Sure. I uh, grew up in Minneapolis, actually, and moved to Chicago about eight years ago. And I grew up in a business owner family. My dad and his partner had their business, and it was pretty much like the other sibling. I have two real siblings, and this was the the third sibling in my family because it was what my dad was was most concerned with other than us. And um, I, I really got my MBA at the dinner table. I joke with people that I've known since I was 10 years old that you own your real estate separate from your operations and even sometimes separate from your inventory. Uh, I've known that since I was about 10. And so I really got uh, quite a great education on business ownership uh, right at home, just from being around my dad, you know, working there in summers, things like that, and then decided to go to law school. And honestly, it wasn't until his passing that I really figured out how to connect the two, the business and the the estate planning, because there were some things that had happened that weren't exactly the way I might have done them, and uh, really 
connected the ways that estate taxes and income taxes can be saved for business owners if they do a little bit of pre-planning, whether that's an exit by choice or an exit uh, by an unfortunate incident, anything like that. So that is really where my focus came. Uh, I'm lucky to have already had uh, over 20 years of practice experience before then, and then in the last uh, six to eight years have really focused in on the business owners. That's a great background, um, and really, uh, it helped. It, I'm sure it's helped you tremendously um, over the years to to have empathy for your your business owner clients. Uh, now, uh, when people come to talk to you, do they usually uh, have that recognition that the business is part of their estate, or do people come to you? In other words, are you, they come to you as a business attorney who does estate planning or as an estate planning attorney who does business planning? Generally, they're coming to me as an estate planning attorney who who understands their business. I have many, many times uh, received client referrals from other professionals who have said, you really need to talk to her. And they sort of come begrudgingly sometimes. And then when I explain who I am, where I've come from, and how I really understand how they think, not only as a business owner, but what their kids are thinking because I was the child of a business owner and what their spouse is probably thinking as the spouse of a business owner, uh, that nine times out of ten really wins them over. Uh, Many of my clients are, are just really pleased that I understand the way they're thinking about their business, and it helps me relate to them because then I can help them sort of change that viewpoint. I I take them up to 30,000 feet, and we look at a bunch of different things uh, with regard to the business and how it fits in with the planning. So some of them do understand it but don't like it, and some of them do understand it and want to do something, uh, but most of them don't really get how what I do can help them today and in the future. it, it gets tricky, but it's it's what I think is fun. I know I'm kind of a nerd. <laughs> Me too. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. Nerd, nerds are allowed on this show. So uh, one question I have. Now, I had a, a good friend of mine, owned a business. I could never get him to do any good business planning. He's a golf buddy. Um, and he died, unfortunately and, and quickly, uh, in an unfortunate uh, situation like he passed away immediately while he was working out now he didn't have it turned out he didn't have a living trust uh, so his wife ended up going through a tremendous amount of work and worry just trying to get his name off of the business so that she could sell it so I you know what what I'm gonna ask you is when should business owners engage in estate planning and um, and who should, you know, I guess why don't they? So the number one reason I find, uh, well, let me start with your first question. When should they engage in estate planning? As soon as they're adults and have children whether they and a spouse, whether they own a business or not. Uh, but if you're really talking about a business owner who doesn't have one, Actually, if they're going into business for themselves, they should definitely do it right when they, you know, along with opening their business. If they have partners, they should be thinking about that as on their to-do list along with getting their marketing set up and their bank accounts established. Estate planning uh, is extremely important and included in that part is also a buy-sell agreement so that when a situation happens like your friend's, 
if there are partners in the business, they have a plan, which they may alter, but they have a plan for exiting the business and how to deal with the family of a uh, deceased or even disabled uh, business owner who is one of their partners. One of the reasons that business owners don't uh, have a plan in which I find is very comical, but very, very true, is they, they're going to die in the chair. They're never going to you know, pass the business on. Mm-hmm. Why would they plan for it? Why would they plan for it? They're just going to die in the chair, and, and that's how it goes. And I'm sorry to be so morbid. Estate planners do have that uh, little <laughs> glitch in their brains. But um, that, that's kind of what happens. And, again, that relates to the not thinking of it, it as part of your assets. You would probably never think that your investment accounts don't need planning for upon your passing. Of course they do. They're going to go somewhere. And, and the issue with business owners they don't realize is that they're two totally different types of assets. There's lots of people relying you on, relying on you in your business aside from just your family. So just passing it to your family isn't necessarily going to be the best option. Uh, so putting a plan in place, even if it's not going to be acted on in any way, shape, or form until you pass away, is really important as soon as you set your business up. Because something can happen at any time, just like, unfortunately, for your friend. Yeah, and in this situation, I'll, I'll ask you to address that, because you mentioned you should have a buy-sell agreement if you have business partners. In this situation, he didn't have other shareholders. He had a key employee who could easily have run the business had things been structured and talked about and per- perhaps funded with, for instance, life insurance prior to um, him passing. As it worked out, the key employee, and we offered, we said, look, we want you to take over and buy the business. He didn't have um, an appetite to run the business, and he did not want to purchase the business at the price we, we prescribed, which is discounted ultimately became the enemy of the business and tried to drive it into the ground and went to work for a competitor, it was a nightmare. It was a total nightmare. So can you address wow. that, the type of buy-sell agreement um, that might have worked out? Maybe a, maybe it's not a, a traditional shareholder buy-sell agreement, but another arrangement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it could have been done in a way because the key employee was not um, – uh, a shareholder didn't have a, a ownership interest in the business. There could have been a way to set it up between the company as an entity and the shareholder so that the company could have bought life insurance or disability insurance as the case may be on the life of the sole shareholder. And that might have funded a buying of the business or at least funded to make the key employee the manager of the business in a way that might have been more comfortable, might not have put such a financial risk on that person. But ultimately then the spouse would have become the shareholder. But my guess is the spouse didn't know much about running the business, but she would have benefited from the income that was generated and would have maybe had some claims against the key employee if they did then turn uh, against the business and sort of run it into the ground. Otherwise, there would have been terms set up to sell the business to a third party, maybe help her find some um, either strategic or uh, competitive business owner in the same uh, industry who might have paid her a more fair price 
um, and wouldn't have probably run the business into the ground. And there might have been a way to keep that key employee on, one, to not go work for a competitor and give away all the secrets, um, but to keep that key employee on through key employee insurance and things like that, which would have covered what it sounds like were a lot of the downturns in the business and, and made it just a little bit more palatable. That's unfortunately the biggest problem is when you leave a spouse or other family members sort of in the lurch and they don't know what to do. Yeah. The, uh, I, I find that they can't imagine what could possibly go wrong. And, you know, and the other thing I hate to hear, I'm sure you do too, is, well, I'll be dead. So I don't care. Well, <laughs> if, yeah. you, if you could have seen, and I'm, in all seriousness, if you could have seen the agony that the spouse went through to try to um, make make something good happen out of a bad situation, it took 14 months. She, you know, she nearly lost her life by just bad by going through stress and, and poor health. Um, so it really, really makes a big difference, and it wouldn't have taken that much planning to have things in order. No, it really wouldn't. And and like I said, when I was describing my background, the business becomes another family member. Um, I definitely remember when my dad sold his business and he announced it at a family dinner in this little Italian restaurant that we all loved. And we all kind of sat there with our mouths open. Like you did what? It was kind of like he sold the family dog and we weren't told before. Um, and, and so it's really, it's very difficult. And there's a lot of emotion aside from, of course, the grief at losing a loved one. There's a lot of emotion attached to that business, just as if it is a family member. And so her wanting to create something positive is completely natural. You want this thing that your spouse built, um, put all of his or her time and energy into took time away from your family to create it, to support your family, all of that becomes very convoluted and, and tangled up. And it's really hard at one of the worst times in your life to then have to make decisions about a business that you either don't know anything about, or you don't know who to turn to things like that. So even if you are a sole business owner and you don't have partners bringing in your family members to meet with your um trusted advisors so they know who to talk to, they know who to trust, they know who to go to, they can work with them and figure out a strategy instead of just flailing around when they've just lost you, let alone not knowing what to do with this business. That is incredible foresight and great planning. Beautifully put. Let's move on to another fun topic, a family business where an owner says, well, this is easy. I'll do my living trust and I'll just leave the business to my one child who works in the business and my two children that don't. Are they setting themselves up for uh, unhappy Thanksgivings forever? (laughs) Yep. You could guess that from my laughter. Um, Yes. So unfortunately, all of these assets are wonderful But let's say you leave your business to the child in the business, your home, which is about of equal value to the second child, and your IRA to the third child, and they're all about the same value. Let's say they all have a value of $3 million today. Well, the problem is you've left the child the business, so that's an income-producing asset that has totally different kinds of tax consequences. The home has value but can 
the child pay for it? Can the child carry on the mortgage if there's a mortgage? Can they afford the property taxes? Do they want to keep it if they sell it? What kind of issues are they going to face with that? Are there issues with the other children? And then with the IRA, you just, pardon my language, I hope this is okay on radio, you just kind of screwed the pooch on that third child because Mm -hmm. that may be taxable, whether by your state's uh, estate tax level or a federal estate tax level, depending on other assets and the values. And plus, most likely, those are pre-tax dollars that have to be taxed when they come out. So that third child may end up with about 25% of the value of that asset. So they all end up differently. Um, there are lots of ways to equalize children uh, with, again, insurance, with different kinds of planning. Uh, some of the current planning that's going on because of the COVID-19 uh, impact on our economy is a great way to accomplish that by removing part of your business from your own estate, putting it in the names of your children, at least the financial part, not the governance, so you don't have to give up control. But some of the financial parts can be passed on to your children. And that the reason why right now is actually an incredible time to do some planning is we have depressed asset values because of uh, our current situation with COVID-19. And we have record low interest rates. Uh, and a lot of this planning is very contingent upon interest rates and what we call the applicable federal rate uh, and the 7520 rate, which is a, a rate that is calculated under the IRS terms. And right now, those rates are less than 1%. Uh, and so the, the gist of it is if you pass on assets through certain types of vehicles and the asset regains value and growth above that, let's say, it, let's call it 1% or 8% uh, at the highest. I think they're really under 1%. But if it, if it grows above the level of that AFR or 7520 interest rate prescribed by the IRS, all of the growth above that gets passed on to your children. So you take an asset that has decreased in value to $100,000 for easy math purposes. It earns 5%. 1% goes to you or whatever percent you prescribe in, a, in an annuity payment and or other means. And the other growth stays with the asset and gets passed on to your children. So the growth is out of your estate. For your purposes, you made a gift of the current value of the asset less its calculated present value, the fair market value, excuse me, less its calculated present value. So you may have to pay some gift tax on that. But if you haven't used your federally mandated uh, estate and gift tax exclusion, which currently is 11 point a little over 11.5 million per person, uh, so over 23 million per couple. If you haven't used all of that, you can make some pretty incredible gifts, get a little right. bit of return, and pass on the growth to your children. There's other things to consider also because it's an election year. And um, so I said that the, the exclusion rate right now is a little about $11.5 million per person. It's a little over that, and over $23 million for a couple. It is scheduled to go down to $5 million per person and $10 million per couple in 2026, so in six years. 
it could go faster. Right. It could go earlier than that because of the election and because our right. country just put out absolutely needed, but just put out a lot of money in uh, distress relief for the country and, and business owners. So it's likely that that limit will, will come down. The nice thing is if you make a gift and, and utilize these numbers before the limit comes down, there's no clawback. So let's say I gift $10 million this year, and then in two years the rate comes down or the amount I'm allowed to gift it comes down to $5 million. I just saved myself $5 million in taxes or the tax mm-hmm. on $5 million. The taxable be portion, up to 40%. yeah. Right, exactly. I saved myself the taxable portion, which when you're in these, these echelons of these numbers, 40% is a lot of money, and that's what your tax is probably going to be. And unfortunately, the other part of the thing, the, the estate tax issue is not only that the exclusion may come down to $5 million, the tax rate may go up to, up to 55%. So there's lots of things at play, and now is a great time for business owners to make some gifts, to, to take advantage. They don't have to give up their control of their business, which – Lord knows that's the number one concern, but they can save themselves some current income tax because you've moved a portion of your business off your plate onto a trust or to your kids, and and the taxes can get paid through the revenue that's generated for them, and it also will save you down the road in estate tax uh, consequences. So it's really a great time, and I hope people are um, willing to at least make a call I mean, I know it's hard to understand all of what I just said uh, for everybody, you know, to digest all of that. But make well, a call to your estate planner and and see if you can do some of this stuff. Yeah, let's put it this way: there are over three billion reasons why taxes will probably go up. Um, that that was the <laughs> amount that was uh, put out in some of the relief efforts just recently, and th- that money needs to be recaptured at some point somehow. So. Uh, now, Nina, if uh, a business owner um, wants to get in touch with you or, or one of our listeners, even if they're not a business owner, I know they can go to www.thestillmanlawgroup.com. Is that the, you have a beautiful website, by the way. Is that the best way for them to start uh, getting in touch with you? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for mentioning that. And be careful because there is another Stillman Law Group, um, but I think they're just called Stillman Law in Michigan. That's a criminal firm. That is not me. I am strictly don't go there unless you absolutely have to. Don't go there unless you've done something (laughs) that you need to take care of in Michigan. Um, So yes, that's the best way. My phone number is on there. Uh, If you click on any of the um, many many links to set up an appointment or set up a consultation or I, I. put many different phrases to capture attention of viewers. That is the easiest way to get a hold of me. I will get an email. I will absolutely return your phone call. Um, and also one of the other great things on my website that business owners will appreciate is that I do my pricing a little bit differently. I allow for subscriptions. So a business owner can pay me my flat hourly rate or they can subscribe for eight 16 or 24 hours of work and the more they subscribe for the bigger the discount so eight hours you get a five percent discount um, 
16 hours, you get a 10% discount, and 24 hours, you get a 15% discount right off the top. And the thing that I like about it and that other business owners have told me that they like is that it's predictable. They know what they can afford. They've already paid it, and they know I'm on their schedule, or they know they can call me without worrying. So many business owners don't call the attorney because they're afraid of what it will cost them. And those are the pricing for business law, but I also, uh, my estate planning fees are not necessarily on the website because each person is different, but I do charge flat fees for my estate planning. So when I quote you a fee for estate planning, that's it. There's no hidden anything. And you get not only my time, but my experience and everything that I bring to the table uh, with regard to the estate planning. So yes, that is the best way to get a hold of me and figure out who I am and if I'm the right attorney for you. The other uh, last thing I'll say is that uh, Nina is a member of a group that I belong to as well called Provisors, which is very well networked with other types of advisors. So if you need to talk with other people, uh, tax tax advisors or valuation advisors or financial advisors or others, uh, Nina is a great person to, to talk to them to talk to about that. And again, uh, she's in the Chicago area. So please get in touch. Uh, go to the Stillman Group Law Group, not the other guys, the Stillman, S-T-I-L-L-M-A-N, lawgroup.com. Nina, th- thanks a lot. It was a real pleasure to have you on, and I'd love to have you back sometime. I feel like we just scratched the surface with this interview, but I'm sure uh, it'd be interesting to have you back sometime real soon and, and get deeper into the topic. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Bill. I really appreciate it and uh, would love to come back and talk about more interesting topics. All right. Well, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 